Hello ladies and gentlemen, I'm Judith Fallon-Reed and welcome to Shelf Life TV, where I have great conversations with Caribbean authors about their lives and books. If you have yet subscribed to this podcast, please do so. You'll always know when new episodes are available. The video of this episode is available also on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and check out my website at jfallonreed.com. Also, check out my other podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now it's time to share what's on my shelf. Welcome to Shelf Life. My guest today is a Jamaican media personality. She's the host of CVM at Sunrise. She is a Mashika Lorne. She's also a marketing professional and now the author of a children's book called Chat to Me and Color. <laughs> so you can guess what it is, right? It's a coloring book, but it's a lot more than that. This book has all kinds of Jamaican landmarks and proverbs and themes, and she is a children's advocate. So we're gonna chat to her and call her. Amashika, it's so good to have you. I've been looking forward to it. I love your little book. You know, chat to me and color. <laughs> I like it. I really like it because usually it's either a coloring book or a storybook or a storybook with color. But before we get to the book, starting at the end, let us start at the beginning. <laughs> Welcome to Shelf Life. Welcome so much to Shelf Life. Thanks for taking time to be with me to talk about this very important project that you have embarked on. And you said that the book was something that was um, inspired by a similar book that your parents created for you when you were growing up. So let's talk about your growing up. All right. So my mom and dad, they ran a printery, a publishing house when I was a little girl. And when I was about nine years old, there was a book that they did called Afiwisinting. Same patwa mm -hmm. as we know. And it also had line drawings for children to color and a Jamaican proverb or riddle. And that book was done when I was nine. I'm now 29. <laughs> <laughs> was it just done for you or it was for public? It was for the public, okay. but I would have seen, you know, been a part of the collating with my siblings. I would have been around the presses, learning about the ink, um, learning what it really takes to publish a book at that particular age in time. And so I fell in love with the process and, you know, it was a part of my life. That is what I knew. My daddy loved books. My mommy loved books. My whole house has a lot of books. And so, you know, that was when I was nine years old. But then what really changed for me was when I took a trip to China in 2016. And I, I was there for about three weeks. But I saw how important it was for them to document things for posterity. So no matter what a child was going to grow up to be, where they were going to go, they understood their history at what, at, from a very young age. And I came back home and I said, what could I do to ensure the next generation really starts to appreciate things that are passed down from the generation before? And I have my grandmother with me and she is somebody that will tell you all kinds of stories from back in the day. And she really, she was such a good storyteller. She makes it into a lesson each time. And I thought, if we're really going to fix a lot of the ills in Jamaica, we have to start with the home. So why not build on the legacy of my parents, you know, tying into history, the things that we learn and just the element and inspiration of my grandmother all in one. And hence came my journey to really recreate that book my parents did when I was nine years old. Wow, that's a great journey. You know, it's, it speaks to something when what you learned growing up, you know, they said children live what they learn. 
and they learn what they live and this is this is what that speaks to is that it made such an impression on you at that age i mean for me books are i love books i've always loved reading and like you i grew up around books even though we weren't part of the printing process my parents and i'm from a different generation than you <laughs> my parents didn't have all the advantages of all the kinds of education that maybe your parents had but they believed strongly in education and they believed in books. And so we grew up around a lot of books. And this is a very interesting time to be doing a book about our culture and for our children, because yeah. a lot of people are getting into that, but yours is a little bit different in that mm -hmm. you mix the parables and all of that with the drawing. And I yes. find that very, very, what has the reception to the book been like before I even get into the book? So the book was launched around this time last year. So October 2019 was when it finally came to fruition. I said, we have to do it now, no matter what is going on. We have to launch the book now. The time was just right. And different people have been reacting. So even with the adults, the adults in the diaspora, some of them are saying, I don't have any children, but it's like a coffee table book. It reminds me of home. I can't come home for the next two years, you know, work and all the things that they're juggling, but it reminded them so much of home. Some of them even started collecting them. So, you know, I don't know the last time I pick up a crayon, but I went color the book. So I'm just like going through it and reflecting and calling home with the children. They love it. And a lot of parents, I, I appreciate this kind of comment from parents when they say it's so good to see diversity. So when you're trying to raise a multicultural or a very diverse thinking and actively thinking child they said they've seen children with locks children with different texture here in the book different kinds of people and they really appreciated that so the whole representation matters it was nice to see them color black people in a coloring book and and i really took those comments to heart and i said you know it's it's doing what it's supposed to without me having to tell them so i was really grateful there but the children love it um i even experiment with my niece she's seven years old and i'm just you know watching her decide okay i'm using this amount of crayon black is for this part of the book green is for that part of the book and just seeing how she takes control and she colors the freedom that she gets from it and you know sometimes she'll be like hmm, can i put this up until tomorrow okay oh i just have 10 more minutes so, you know and i see how she expresses herself and she grows with confidence and even we had done a pilot with a couple of students in a community nearby and it was the same for them, the freedom to choose whichever color. So if you want to color with um, color the bag with red and I want to color it with blue, they had the freedom to do whatever they want. We didn't have to tell them. And I think that kind of, it, the freedom of expression was just great to see. And I think that's how we need to have children going forward. So yeah, the, the reception was really good. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So I want to get to something about you before i get further into the book so you are also a presenter on cvm at sunrise in the morning he says morning and um that has really helped you i'm sure to be able to just see so many so much diversity talk to so many different people and see really have your finger on the pulse of what we really need and what some of the needs are and you're a children's advocate as well so being in the world of media um sometimes i'm interviewing people and they say things like i didn't choose music music chose me 
I didn't choose media. Media really did find me because I, while attending the University of the West Indies, the Mona campus, I was pursuing a degree in international relations, hoping to then transition over into law. And people would say, you know, have you ever heard of Karmak? And I thought, mm, no, never heard of it. But let me see if I can do a course. Karmak was always oversubscribed. Every single semester that I, I said, I just want to do one little course, you know, even just learn something always oversubscribed and at one point I just said you know what if this field is really for me like people keep saying it will find me lo and behold one month later I went to an audition for a show mm -hmm. and um, I was selected and it's something that I, I think even if you learn the world of maps communication you have to also bring something to the table so whether yeah. it's your charm your charisma your inquisitive mind a mind that's always trying to see connect the dots, what's happening before me and having a vision. I think that's not really something you can teach or in my mind. So no, I think it, it isn't. You either, either have it or you don't. I mean, you know, personality is not something you teach. It's right. kind of who you are. I, I had to end up in media too. I didn't really have a choice. I had to end up in the creative world, even though I had a science mind when it came down to it. And I had to split between my science mind and my creative mind. My creative mind just, always one you know because like you i write i i did all of them writing singing dancing drama the whole gamut and so i do understand when you said that it shows you and that i think is a big part of what's he what helps you as well even with this book because kids i'm sure gravitate towards you <laughs> i'm sure they gravitate I, my friends used to say it's a little magnetism that we can never explain whenever I go anywhere the people's children they come and they they want me to lift them up and play with them and it's it's something that I said if I was ever going to do anything with my life it has to impact children and then I also had the benefit of going to like the Edna Manley summer schools um you know and they taught you dance drama music and visual art and I said I have to pull on all the elements that make me who I am to pour into the next generation. So if I was going to do anything, it had to be something to do with the arts and it had to focus on the children. So yes, when I speak to various guests, whether it's, you know, politicians of the opposing side or the leading governing party, leaders of NGOs, leaders of, you know, major institutions, and I hear the kinds of things that we're focusing on and where we're pouring funds and resources. When I'm speaking to different people from whether they're chefs, um, entertainers, designers and as i said it really starts with the home where you come from what your parents want for you what your community want for you what they say when they see you on tv mm -hmm. you know it, how you how the children in that community see you when they see you on tv you know what that makes them feel right. and i said we have to keep pushing positive messages about who we are as a people we're not one, there's no single identity of a Jamaican. There's so many voices, so many experiences on our little island, and all of that has to be told, and the positive side of that has to be told. So doing this book, it was a passion project. It was a life project. It's something that, um, you know, it's, it builds on the legacy of my, my parents, and it's something that I want even my own children to be proud of, to know that mommy did this, and so they have to do something else to build on the legacy. Yeah. A chat to me and color. It is this is this is where it gets a little controversial for me <laughs> because you have incorporated the English and mm -hmm. the Paco in the new version, what I call the new version Pato. Now I'm old school Pato, right? Pato. <laughs> Meaning that I know they have now the linguists and the 
academics have now taken Patwa and they've created what I call the new version Patwa. It's in the Patwa Bible. And I'm a strong, strong advocate for the use of our own. I don't call it a dialect. I call it a language. A language, yes. Yeah, I call it a language. And I understand all the ramifications of saying language and structure and all of that, which is why the academic decided, let us create it like a language so that it's phonetically spelled. But I still can't read that one. I... <laughs> so mm -hmm. I found it interesting that you actually put that in there. Why did you go that direction? So as I said, looking at what my parents did, I wanted to up the ante. It's a new version. We're looking at a new time and I wanted some longevity. So if we're going to be celebrating us as a people and our identity, we have to incorporate the language. And at the time when I was launching last year, you know, before, months before I sat down with Professor Hubert Devonish, she was the head of the Jamaica language unit, Jamaican language unit at the time, you know, just to get some guidance because I went to UA and I never knew this unit even existed as a boy on a marketing off, on a marketing off, 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 bad. But, you know, I sat with him and I said, what you guys need is a young voice. You need young people to make it look sexy, to make it look palatable, to spread it in new ways. So I was more than happy to help and galvanize in that support. And at the time they were going to be launching the petition to make it an official language alongside English. And I said, even though this is a personal venture for me and a business venture for me, I will use it to advocate on your behalf as well. So it was nice to learn and sitting at his feet, you know, learning about Frederick Cassidy, the work he had done and how the Jamaican language unit kind of refined and, you know, using their scholarly selves and studying linguistics all the years and, you know, putting whatever methods were needed. They have refined and they have now documented this way of writing the language. And it has, you know, a number chart, an alphabet chart, a grammar system. So it really does have all the things necessary to be a language and to codify it. So it was just a matter of now, how do we go about getting the approval by the Ministry of Education and government to start teaching it? And one of the things I learned was the bilingual education project that was done in about 2004 that was their pilot project the JLU they went into the schools and they were teaching the lessons in both English and in Jamaican as we're advocating for it to be called and they were saying coming from different backgrounds you know they documented how the girls were taking on the subject they looked at how the boys were learning they looked at performance overall and they saw drastic improvements by the students so it was just a matter of now will government give us the green light for more people to come on board? Because yourself, me, we're now older. So we, we, we can speak Patois or Jamaican, but we can't write it. And you have a lot of people. Well, 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 let's argue that point. Because Everybody writes differently. I write it a lot, <laughs> okay? In but fact, write I write it so much that my WhatsApp understands it. Okay, my, my iPhone has learned how to speak Pato because that is what I speak. Uh, and I consider myself bilingual. I speak a little Spanish, so if I want to be bossy, I could say I'm trilingual, although I don't think I should. Um, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I really, I still hold on to the original spelling. And in fact, I enjoy Carolyn Cooper's um, commentaries on Sunday because she yes. does both. She does it in the original pattern that we understand, or what she calls chaka chaka. <laughs> and then she also sometimes puts in the new thing. So I, I get it. I understand that if we do want to move forward to make it a proper language by um, linguistic standards and you know international standards of what is a language, 
then this mm -hmm. is necessary. But I am a little bit, what is the word I want to use? Apprehensive. Uh, very, very, very apprehensive. And just a little bit um, disappointed that we have had to throw out the old mm -hmm. to acquire the new. I think that, that's the way I, that's how I feel. I feel okay. like we have simply taken the old and said, you know what? Yeah, that's what you did for 200, 400 years. It no good no more. No, me want you spell new like this away. This is how it must look. And honestly, I'm just being very honest now. I have tried to read the Patwa Bible. And there's a lot of it that I can't pronounce because I kind of have to round up my mouth to pronounce me you and you know some of the words. So it's a phonetic alphabet. That was one of the distinctions. It's also a phonetic alphabet. But I do understand these teething pains. I got these kind, you know, the kind of commentary while on the road and launching the book as well. You know, I took some licks for the jail, you and, and I understand it's a part of the process. But it's the same way how Spanish was developed to being the Spanish it is oh, yeah. today. Oh yeah, I get it. So it's a part of it. But I mean, even with the little, so you say, because our minds now are a little older and we're kind of almost set in our ways to learn another language, we have to break down some barriers. When the children are reading it and sounding it, even my seven-year-old niece, it's, it's a joy to see them try. So all I have to tell her is, sound it out. And she just starts and she goes. So I think the more open and recept receptive the mind is, the easier it becomes. So like even with us, as yeah, I say, that's, we have that's, that's, yeah. part of, that's part of evolution though because some of the things that I mean when the younger people, my kids are a little older than you, but when the things that my kids grew up would just be normal and my grandson who is 16 growing up as like, well, that's no big deal. I mean, <laughs> to us was a big, it was a big deal and you know, you have to become a progressive person in order to not see those things as a big deal anymore. And I give God thanks that I am progressive enough to not see a lot of things as a big deal. And being a creative right. person, it's very easy for me to flex with adapt. Yeah, flex and adapt with whatever. But yeah, so I understand the necessity. I um I just the whole idea of having to teach a Jamaican child pato is just a very foreign idea. <laughs> and I well, think because I think because it's it is different from place to place. Because I used to work with some people from some country parts, serious country, right. and I used to teach culture for TPD. And when you're going to some country places, the way me say words are not the same way them say words, you know. True. So that was one of my challenges. With what that is from that is that is my problem with it. So that's why we didn't go so heavy in terms of even writing it in prose. But we, we use, you know, simple sentences that you can kind of make the connections and easy enough for children. So we wanted to just introduce it and let them know there is a writing system out there. Um, should you want to write it as well or learn I, to write it? I see that. I see that. And I thought that that was really clever. I kind of picked that up. You didn't really go into long sentences and stuff that would make us, like our eye, you know, roll back in our head. But <laughs> excellent. Excellent. And it. It brings the book to a place where it's more than just read this on color. It's mm -hmm. read this, think about it, talk about it, know what it's about, and then color. You know, it's a combination. But another aspect of what you're doing is um, helping young people in this time. How is your book as 
you put it when we talked before this, uh, how is your book helping with this COVID situation and the stress with the children? So Jamaica, we had our first confirmed case in um, March, March 10th. So schools have been closed physically since March 13th. And, you know, we started doing the whole distance learning, virtual learning, the whole summer school where we're going to have summer school. September being, you know, September morning school opening up, we pushed back to October the 5th. So schools opened virtually on October the 5th. But over the past couple of months, a lot of parents, a lot of people in communities have been saying the children are stressed. They're having a lot of anxiety. And I thought, you know, we just need some simple things to aid with that. And coloring is one of the most basic forms of helping them to express themselves. So um, for the younger ones, you have the what we call gross motor skills. And that's when they just took up the crayon and just drag it across the paper. So that's where you know all the, the, the muscles are able to focus and do things. And then when you get to fine motor skills, so that's where they start holding the pencil a little bit more deliberately and they're trying to color in the line. So coloring is one of the simple ways to so just observe them doing that. And you can even ask them, you want to do it with your left hand? You want to give yourself a little challenge? So it helps you to watch them, to give them a challenge and they have the freedom to say, well, the person's skin color is going to be red today. The person's skin color is going to be red today. And you just give them the freedom. So it's helping families, so both the adults and children, to just have some quality family time. So it's not give them the tablet, what, what, you know. And then we live in Jamaica, so power can cut, light can gone. <laughs> power can so, cut, credit expensive. I mean, there's a, there's a whole list of things. Because although I live in Florida, I wouldn't say most of the, well, most of this year, <laughs> because I've been stuck here since March 6th. Although I live in Florida most of this year, I go back and forth a lot. I'm in Jamaica at least half of the year. Speaking of coloring, though, to the people who say that people still are color, children still coloring, what do we say? Of course, it is an important thing. As much as you give a child a phone, a tablet, and they like that, you need to ensure a child knows how to write. You need to ensure a child knows how to write. And what this does is tactile learning. So their perception of knowing, ah, is the point too sharp? Is it too dull? Do I need to take it up and start sharpening? Those are critical thinking skills that a child needs to, needs to start discerning on their own. So yes, it's all good and well to be adapting to a world where technology and devices are easily, easily accessible. Um, we can access them on an easier pace now but they need to still be developing their motor skills and tactile, just like how playtime is important, coloring and exercising different parts of the mind and concentration and focus, that must also stay in check. And it's a simple way to do it, simple and affordable way yeah. to do it. But yeah, it it complements the learning curriculum in so many ways because it's getting you to explain a topic, um, them to tell you what they think it means. It's all around. It's a simple and a, a functional way to just get a child um, back on the wheel and to keep going. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty functional indeed. There's no question about that. I went through it and I, I'm not a coloring buff myself, but it is so interesting to see that in today's world, coloring is back. I mean, adult even coloring, yes, you have these very, you know how I realized coloring was not for me. I decided <laughs> to relax. I was going to buy one of those adult coloring books. Mandala images with very intricate too intricate for me, boy. Give me a give you me gave a, up. I gave up. I must tell you, I gave up. <laughs> I gave up. After after the first few colours, I was like, okay, no. Nah, when I get to when I get to 80, I'll come again, I'll come again. But yes, I have older friends who absolutely love it. So it's it's 
there's no doubt about it that coloring is still just like reading because me and some people have some argument about that too people are still reading and as a matter of fact the kids my grandson's age 16 they actually prefer reading books they've gone back to books so yes everything old is still new before we wrap this up though you were telling me that you are moving to like a phase two or a, another version or something talk to me about that all right so yeah so we launched the first my official version of the book last year october now we're looking at version two where we're going to be changing out some of the images we're going to also have some personalization incorporated in the book and a very special part of the book i'm very excited about this is a fold out page with perforation so when the child completes that page the parents can remove it and frame it and i remember growing up all, even looking on my walls right now, my dad likes to frame our certificates, frame our drawings. Every child wants to know that I did something and my parents have it in them office. I did something and it's up on the wall, you know. Or on, the gives, or on the fridge. It's anywhere, you know, like mommy loves my painting. Like, you know, they made you do all of these things for fun day, um, the cars that you send mm -hmm. home for them. So it's, it's bringing that back that kind of expression where the parent can show them you have accomplished something and no matter what it is, I appreciate it. So we're going to be also adding a perforated page. It's still a book that's going to be uniquely and solidly Jamaican. I am the creative director. I'm going to be working with Wayne Powell again. He's from Portland and an amazing illustrator. We're going to yeah, be printing it. The illustrations are beautiful. The illustrations are beautiful. No. So, you know, 100% Jamaican conceptualized, created, and will be printed here as well. So we're just making it more fun for the children. Um, and it's based off some feedback as well. So we're going to be doing version two. So, you know the next step, right? So let me just really quickly tell you. So I, I did uh, Antarctica Adventures with a Jamaican on ice. That is my children's book because I went to Antarctica back in 2007. And I have nice. a coffee table book and I also have a children's book. But... I also have a song and a dance. Uh -huh. So that's your next step. A song and that. Well, a dancing is my, I want to say dancing is literally my first love of my all too. the art. My too. And my too. My first love. So we'll see how the dance go. The chat to me and color dance. Um, but you know, you're kind of making me pripsy on quite a bit. So one of the things that the company, Amashik and Associates, will be working on is creating Jamaican experiences for persons living abroad, especially at the university campuses. Okay. So we've linked with people who have done um, documentaries on different parts of our mm -hmm. culture, and then we'll incorporate a language lesson as well in Jamaican. Oh, keep me posted. Keep me posted. Yes, we have a lot of exciting things because everybody has to pivot during this time. Yes. So even though I wanted to do some school tours physically in Jamaica, mm -hmm. now it has caused me to pivot looking outward, connecting yeah. people with people in the diaspora and even their friends. So we have, so we have a lot more to talk about. Thank Absolutely. you so much. This was fun. Enjoyed it. People, the book is Chat to Me and Color. Christmas mm -hmm. at home. The children them need books. Yes, the children them need books. Enough of the electronic something. Children mm -hmm. need books and they need to be able to color and they need to have fun in other ways apart from on a tablet or a computer screen. And if it's too cold where you are and them can't go out a door, you give them a chat to me and color. Amashika, thank you so much. It was wonderful having you. And I'll catch you again when you have so much more to tell me. Just look for chat to me and color. It's Google it name. 
you can find it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Avashika. Have a great day. And all right. I'll catch you again another time. All right. All the best to you and Shelf Life. Listen. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shelf Life. It was wonderful having you here. I had fun and I hope you did too. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please do so. The video of this interview is available on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Visit my website at jfallonreed.com and you can download your copy of my free audiobook, Time and Seasons. And remember to subscribe to my other podcast, Exchanging Pain for Praise.